Great to have you with us. This is From the Braves Booth, and this is episode number 44 of our little show, and it's great to have you with us as we come to you from the home radio booth here at Truist Park alongside Joe Simpson and our producer-engineer Jonathan Jadwick, whose voice you'll hear in a little while. I'm Ben Ingram, and Joe, we're on the back side of the break. And uh, as we do this show, the Braves looking to snap a little bit of a skid, but have the Diamondbacks in town, hoping to do that tonight. And outside of that little skid here in the last few days, everything's been pretty rosy for the Braves. It's been been very rosy, Ben, but I have a question for you before I get into the meat of that. What episode is this? 44. Not 45. I just want to make that clear that <laughs> it's uh, not episode 45. 45. Five or... That'll okay. be the next one. Okay. just want to make sure you can understand I can't the wait. five. I can't wait for that one. <laughs> <clears throat> no, this is a little speed bump here. Uh, the team is just getting waylaid by dings and injuries that are kind of slowing the process down. And it's primarily in the bullpen. As I said last night... Uh, missing some guys down there kind of it reared its ugly head last night you know it manifested itself that we're missing mentor and jesse chavez and uh dylan lee in particular but there's others too that um right now it's a hardship yeah it really is uh in that aspect of the game and that is how this game goes that's the thing we get so locked into well this team has done all these great things and you just expect it for the rest of the year that's just not how it works would it bother me if they lost another three or four games in a row of course it would would it worry me no wouldn't worry me i don't know everybody else might be different than that but that's what happens in this game you have peaks and valleys you have a lot of times the valleys come from exactly what you're talking about injuries to multiple guys and what do you do through those valleys how do you come back out of it we've seen this team pull out of them so many times and get on hot stretches and that's what i expect this team to do and you're just in a little bit of a down patch right now where some guys are out and i fully expect them to pull out of it uh let's let's be realistic too brave scored 13 runs last night right that's not where the problem is yeah uh defensively it left a lot to be desired last night uh there were a couple of plays where uh pitchers heads were somewhere else they weren't covering first base uh when was the last time you saw matt olson whiff on a ball going to his right you know like to get ready to start a double play those things just don't happen and they did last night and uh three errors in all and maybe two or three others that were mental errors so right. they those all added up too so the defense uh the bullpen those things right now have got to be tightened up a little bit. I'm holding, uh, I don't know, seven or eight pages of questions. And by the way, you can send your questions and comments to bravesbooth at gmail.com. Feel free to do that. And we'll maybe have your question or comment on our next episode, bravesbooth at gmail.com. But I'm holding about 10 pages worth of questions and comments. I guarantee you, and I haven't looked through here, I guarantee you there are half a dozen questions or comments about the trade deadline and what the Braves need to do. And I think what we've seen over the last few days, week or so, further emphasizes a conversation you and I have had before because when you're when you're coming up to the trade deadline you don't necessarily know exactly what all your needs are in June or maybe even early July but we have talked about the need for more pitching be it in the rotation or the bullpen and these guys have done a phenomenal job to this point you you wouldn't be 30 games over 500 without great pitching and guys getting their, their jobs done but it's great to have depth, and it's good to add. And, and I think if you're looking to add in one place, like you mentioned, the, the, the lineup isn't the issue. If you could find a way to add to the trade deadline an arm or two, I think that'd go a very long way for this ball club. I think so, too. I agree 100%. And uh, look at the standings. The Braves were 30 games over 500, essentially without Max Fried. 
Yeah. You know, he's barely pitched at all. They've done it without Max. They're going to get him back uh, sooner rather than later. That's like acquiring somebody at the trade deadline when you get your ace back. And just having him plugged in there is going to make a big difference. Charlie's pitching really well right now. Strider lost his last start, but he was on a real roll prior to the All-Star break. Had 10 strikeouts in that last outing. <laughs> yeah, in four innings. And lost. And <laughs> lost. Uh, so I, I, my, my focus is a bullpen. It really is. Um, Got to tighten some things up down there, get some more bodies down there, in my opinion. Uh, whether or not that happens remains to be seen. But if you ask me to focus on one spot, that would be it. I know two, three years ago, the minor league system was probably better equipped to make some trades of the trade deadline than it is now. You had some bigger prospects and bigger names. Do you feel like Alex will have to be more creative than he ever has at the trade deadline to acquire what he needs? Um, I, I guess so, yeah. But uh, you know what? He's creative already. Yeah. He knows how to, how to get things done and how to get the people he wants and do it in such a way that it doesn't affect your 26-man roster at the time. So it doesn't put a ripple uh, in your club that's on the field in the big leagues. I think he'll be able to get whatever he wants um, once he identifies who and what that might be. When we saw the White Sox come to town and win two out of three, one of the things that just was amazing to me was watching those guys parade in out of their bullpen one guy after another throwing 97 to 100 miles an hour there was no relief uh, no pun intended yeah from that heat that they were bringing in the Braves don't really in my estimation they don't have that guy uh, they've got some guys who have good splitters or they've got ground ball guys sinkers uh, uh, curveballs whatever the case might be uh, we don't really have that that blazer, and uh, that would be somebody I would be looking for. Yes, it would. And the only thing is, is so many good teams are shopping in that same aisle. Yeah. And that becomes the competitive part because there might be uh, a few teams that are looking for something different, but everybody's looking for pitching. If you can add a, an right. arm of the bullpen, add a guy in your rotation, everybody would like to do that. Even if you don't have a current need there, uh, everyone's looking for that kind of depth. So we'll see if the Braves can get into that aisle and Grab a bargain off the shelf or two, because that would go a really long way in the final two months of the season. It's an interesting time for the schedule. If you find where the Braves are, you finish up this homestand uh, with Arizona, good ball club. Brewers have been playing well. So have the Red Sox. You see them on the next road trip. And then the Braves are at home for a little while. But that takes us into August. And, and in August, 10-game um, road trip, 10-game homestand, 10-game road trip. And that pretty much gets you through August. Yeah, it's very unusual to have those all back-to-back especially two 10-day road trips in one month right. at the end of the year. That's that's rough rough scheduling. You'll see the, the Mets a couple of times in, in that month. You'll see the Yankees. You'll see the Dodgers. You'll see the Giants. You'll see some good teams. And I'll be really curious to see where the team is come Labor Day given the demands of the August schedule and the trade deadline in the first week of August and how that all has a ripple effect. I think it's going to be really fun to watch. I think it will be too. Uh, one other part of that. Uh, second 10-day trip is going to Coors Field, too. Yeah, Anything can happen there. And if it, if we don't know anything, we know that you can go to Coors Field for three or four days and it completely disrupts your pitching staff because of how many arms you've got to use. So uh, this is a rough ske- part of the schedule coming up. And while they have lost uh, three in a row, it's um, one of those things where you hope that uh, Charlie Morton 
the veteran can be the stopper today and uh, get us back on the right track. I was hoping that would be Bryce Elder last night because up until last night he's been such a good stopper. I think he had like a, I think the team had yes. a nine and three record. Yes, when he was going after losses. That's correct. Which of all the things we could he praise on Bryce for that might be at the top of the list. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he his uh, his sinker last two games hadn't been there. Uh, it's been a little flat. Uh, typically a sinker slider guy he's better when he's a little fatigued you right. know if there's if his arms a little tired his sinker's actually a little better so i don't know if last night he was too rested uh as brian told us before the game they they slotted him for that game on purpose to give him a few extra days rest because he's never pitched a full season in the big leagues and i certainly understand that but i don't know what else to attribute it to but his sinker was was pretty flat right between the knees and the and the uh, belt and that was not a good place to be last night that's an interesting thing because if i think on the the three roughest outings i've seen out of bryce this year number one i go to his first spring training outing yep, right which he had all off season yeah and then you had the, the game in tampa i think he had an extra day of rest there right and then he had the lots of rest over the all-star break didn't pitch and i remember tim hudson saying this he was he, i remember ex, him explaining this to me one time because he was such a, a sinker ball pitcher and he said you don't want to be too strong if you have too much rest you, your sinker is going to be too strong and it's not going to sink it's going to stay straight and you're going to get tagged and, and i've thought about that a lot over the years that could be exactly what you're talking about for bryce yeah i i hope that's the case you know yeah. i hope that's it uh as opposed to maybe a mechanical flaw somewhere maybe it's just that uh, he needs to get back into that five-day rotation and get back into that that routine of things because he was pitching so well uh, prior to that start in Tampa Bay uh, I, I noticed in the lineup uh, already posted tonight that Eddie Rosario's back in there that's a good sign that he's able to play again uh, a crying shame for Sam Hilliard who had to come out at last night's game after bruising his heel or injuring his foot in some fashion with that lunge at first base but uh, as you kept saying you know it's just so that's just the way baseball goes sometimes and uh, you're waiting for a chance to play and then you get hurt so we feel bad for Sam he goes on the IL today yeah two things happened last night that just happened in the game and you hate it I mean you absolutely hate it number one that guy didn't play for a while gets a shot out there gets hurt and number two you're talking about the errors and nobody hates it more than the guys down there on the field mm-hmm. having a game like that. And and you hate when it happens, and it's especially when it's just routine plays that just aren't made. But over the course of 162, you get games like that, and it, it just reminds you how humbling this game can be. It's such a hard game. Um, and and I'm, I'm blown away when, when I really think about it, how good those guys are down there on the field. And how they do this every single day, and you might have a play that's made ninety-nine times out of a hundred, but uh, every now and then it's not made. And when they all happen in the same game, like we saw last night, this game will make you want to take a bat and just bash yourself in the head sometimes because it can be that frustrating. Yeah, well, Sean Murphy has one of the best throwing arms of any catcher in baseball. Yeah, and he had to go quite a ways down the third baseline uh, last night to get that ball that ricocheted off his shin guard, I believe, uh, on a strike three. And he yep. ran down there to get it. Turned out the guy he's trying to throw out is the fastest guy on their team and um, rushed it a little bit and threw it away. Th- that type of mistake rarely happens to this team. That was not an example of Atlanta Braves baseball last night. And uh, we all know that 
it'll get better. Mm-hmm. It will be better, and it'll be better tonight. It's like you've said before, a team will never look worse than when they're not pitching and not playing defense. Yeah, bad defense makes every team look bad. Yeah, that is the foundation. You can show me all the offensive numbers you want, all the homers and all that, but you have to have the rock-solid foundation of pitching and defense before anything good happens. They're true. got to make the plays for your guys. So we'll see how things go tonight. It'll be the second game of this series, Braves and the Diamondbacks. And uh, like you said, Charlie Morton on the mound, and he was really good that last outing versus the White Sox. First game back from the break. And get that version of Charlie the rest of the way, man, that would be huge. Yeah, he's been really good. Uh, Let's talk about Austin Riley before we get to the questions, too. Big night for him. Seven RBIs, more RBIs from a third baseman uh, for the Atlanta Braves since they started keeping track of the stat of RBIs. And as mentioned last night, Eddie Matthews, Bob Horner, Chipper Jones. You could go through a long list of really good players who have worn a Braves uniform at third base and never had seven RBIs in a game. And it came at a great time for Austin. He needed that. I thought the at-bat he had where he hit his second homer in the bullpen was an awesome A-B. Fought off some pitches inside um, and then got a change-up and literally one-handed it into the bullpen yeah it was a great night for him and, and, and i love what he did on 0-2 before he hit the home run to center field i mean he gets down 0-2 really quickly to adams and then fouled off a bunch of pitches he kept mm-hmm. trying to come to that front door with a slider yeah and austin kept fouling him off and then got it and yeah big uh, big night for him you hate that it comes in a loss but uh it was good to see and that's the great thing about austin because when he gets hot man he can take off i, I think about the july that he had last year where he set the franchise record for rbi's in a month and it was his last at bat and he had a game-winning base hit to beat these guys Arizona I think it was a one nothing game and that RBI gave uh, him the franchise lead for most RBIs in a month passing Hank Aaron wow so yeah. when that when that kid gets hot man he, he can go to another level remember when he first broke in I mean he yeah. hit, hit like, like eight homers eight homers in the first 20 games or something when yep. he got called up he's capable of that maybe last night was uh, jumping off the diving board for just that type of uh, that springboard for him this month. Yeah, I hope so, because um, we know he's capable of, of getting really hot. And I love what Matt's done here in these last two weeks or so. He's been getting on base a ton. Mm-hmm. He's still going to get his strikeouts, but he's been hitting a bunch of homers, driving in runs, but and, and getting on base. Taking his walks. Yeah. Yeah. That's been nice. It really Excellent. has. All right, our email address, bravesbooth at gmail.com. We have a bunch of questions to get to. So we'll dive into them, and we appreciate you being out there. Thank you so much for taking the time to send us questions. I know that takes time out of your day, and we appreciate that. We appreciate you tuning in, and we will get to as many as we possibly can. JC, say hello. What's up, dudes? Hey, man. You have not packed yet for the road trip yet. I have not. Uh, Me either. I typically tend to do that about midnight or 1 a.m. the night before. (laughs) Yeah, when we're dragging for day games on getaway days. Yeah. We were packing to 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to start this off. This is from uh, Luke and Jessup. And the reason I am is because I love this question, love the podcast. He says, how did everyone spend the All-Star break? I think what both of you guys did, they're kind of 180 degrees from each other, but they were very interesting and I think worthy of talking about. Yeah. I had somebody text me today, one of my buddies, and I went out to – whitefish montana right there at the glacier national park and i have a buddy in uh, greenville south carolina bryce and he's been to green to a uh, glacier before and he asked me how how was it and i said man to be quite honest it hurt my soul to leave 
and I love my job and I love you guys, but when you have a, a place with that kind of beauty, that kind of peace for a little while, it's hard to leave. So that's how much I enjoyed Montana, Northwest Montana. And uh, for anyone who's been, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't been, you should go check it out sometime. Well, add to that, your the, the concerts, yeah. the rodeos. I mean, it was all, sounded awesome. So cool. We um, went to the Under the Big Sky Music Fest and saw a bunch of my favorite artists, uh, Whiskey Myers, Hank Williams Jr., Coulter Wall, Ryan Bingham, uh, Shane Smith and the Saints, oh, a bunch of others that I'm, that I'm forgetting. But that was a blast. Three days. My brother just moved to Idaho, so he drove up and met me there. One of his good buddies, John, came out, and my girlfriend, Ashley, went with me. And the four of us got an Airbnb and just blew it out and enjoyed the time off. So it was a great all-star break. We're glad you had a good time, but we're more glad that you're back. Thank you. Yep. Um, I stayed in town. We finished the first half in St. Pete, and my wife and I had tossed around a couple ideas. Maybe we'd go to the beach or do a few things. But we'd been on the road so much lately. I wanted to be at home, and it's the first time I've had consecutive days off since February. And so we caught up on rest. I took her out to lunch. Uh, we played pickleball. Uh, we had a great time, and it was much, much needed. Yeah, you guys came back pickleball junkies all of a sudden. I can't stop playing. <laughs> well, he's he's lit a fire under me, that's for yeah. sure. I fall off the face of the earth for eight days. I come back, and my first conversation about J-Chat, 85% of it was about pickleball. <laughs> so I said, here's what I'm going to do on the podcast. I'm going to bring up pickleball and let you two go at it. I'm just going to kick up my feet and listen. <laughs> I've been wanting to learn to play for a while, so I decided I'm going to go take a lesson. I want to know – the strategy involved, the different nuances of the game, how you keep score, um, the different rules. There are a lot of those. And so I decided to go take a lesson, and I'm going to continue to do that. It was a ton of fun. You know, we went through drills, and we started playing games. And ever since that first day that I went and decided to take a lesson, I wake up in the morning and want to play pickleball. You guys have me want to play now. Go check it out and have a good time. Because we've got some guys on the road who play when whenever we're out right some of the media relations guys play well guess what joe simpson's playing now that's right yeah gird your loins <laughs> you gotta teach me Joe's the rules. even got some pickleball shoes yeah warm today so you gotta have shoes for playing no no but i just wanted to look good okay <laughs> <laughs> i like them those look really good okay let's see all right if the players are wearing metal cleats wouldn't they always be scratching the dugout floor and sharpening themselves? Thanks, love the show. That's from Ryder. Ryder, the dugout floor is they're mats. They're like rubbery mats, so they don't scratch anything. They don't dig into anything. It won't sharpen their spikes. In the old days, the floor of the dugouts were wood planks, and the cleats, the spikes would chew those up pretty good. There was always a space in between the planks so that anybody throwing their cup of water or Gatorade or whatever it might be, or if they were getting rid of some of their red men, you know, it would go through. Yeah. But they uh, they wised up. They put drains in the bottoms of the dugouts now, and they matted them so nobody slips and easy to clean up. Go back far enough. Guys used to use their spikes as weapons. Oh, yeah. I was reading a story about Ty Cobb. Mm-hmm taunting shortstops and second baseman he'd be standing at first base and he'd yell at him i'm coming in with my steel showing 
Yeah. And he'd go in there feet first, kind of a feet first karate leap, if you will, mm-hmm. and spike the tar out of those guys. I don't guys. know how – he must have been a pretty tough dude because you'd think there'd be guys waiting for him to splat the baseball right between the eyes yeah. and then jump on him and beat snot out of him. But I never heard about any of that stuff. I've heard of a few fist fisticuffs but uh-huh. not many i think there's a story and i need to brush you up on this and i'm sure we have some historians out there who know the story better than me um i think it was the night is waiting to be going way back 1909 world series of course national league and american league teams never saw each other so lots of allure to the world series and you had the biggest star in each league and ty cobb and honus wagner mm-hmm. and as the story goes ty cobb is yelling down at honus wagner he's coming in and i think honus wagner on a steal attempt came down and landed on him, almost like a wrestling move. And, and I think that that pretty much knocked that out for the rest of the series. I'll bet it did. Which, And I want to research that story. And Honus Wagner was a big man. Big dude. Yeah. yeah. Pretty cool to think about. Uh, let's see. All right, this is a really good one because this is something you guys have pickleball. This is something I'm new to. I'm curious, of the three of you, who is the best immaculate grid player? My guess would be Joe Though all of you are way better than I am. Thanks. That's from Jim. Are you guys familiar with Immaculate Grid? I am. I am um, not. I, I know without a doubt, uh, zero doubt in my mind, I'm decent at it. Ben is far, far better than me at it. I started playing, I don't know, about a month and a half, two months ago. What is it? So have you ever played Wordle? Or are you familiar yeah. with Wordle? Yeah. It's almost like a baseball version of that where you have a grid of nine squares. And along the left column are team logos. Along the top column are team logos. So let's say you had Braves on the left column at the top, and let's say you had A's at the top column across. You'd have to hit that square where the two teams align and name a player who played for both teams. So you could use Matt Olson, uh, Sean Murphy, et cetera. But you only get nine guesses. And there are nine squares, so it has to be perfect. If you if you guess and you miss one, then that square is empty. I see. Um, you might have one that says uh, 500 career home runs in a column and Braves in a column. So Hank Aaron would fit mm-hmm. that. So you have to find that intersection of where the two uh, items align. I see. And, and it's fun, and it's become every morning. I'll play Wordle. I'll play Immaculate Grid. And it's just because they renew at midnight. You get one game a day. I see. So immaculate grid, wordle, pickleball. Pickleball, yeah. Pickleball, yeah. <laughs> we'll merge our, our uh, agendas here and see if we can. This is from Allison in Williamsburg. She says, by way of Savannah, Georgia, who in the radio booth is most likely to accidentally cuss on air? Funny you should ask, Allison. Love listening to y'all all the way from Williamsburg, Virginia. I'm deep in Nationals country, but wave my Braves flag proud. All right. We appreciate that. Oh, it's probably me. I'd probably be the one, <laughs> probably be the one to accidentally let something slip and would feel bad about it for uh, seven or eight seconds. Yeah, right. <laughs> I could see it being Jay Chad and our mics just picking him up. Oh. Because one, one of my favorite things that happens <laughs> – this happens a lot at spring training. It's a long game. 60 guys have played in the game. We have a three-hour road trip ahead of us, and you'll have a guy come in in the ninth inning, and he walks the house. And I'll hear Jay Chad in the back go, oh! <laughs> <laughs> and it gets me every time. Yeah. Remember that game we were playing the Rays, I think, two seasons ago at their place in Port Charlotte? And I forget who was on the mound, but it was one of those games. 
I, I honestly think the Braves were losing by like 15 runs. <laughs> and there was like five consecutive walks. And it was one of those things like, someone in this, please. please. get it out. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that well, we games. don't have to go back very far. We If we'd have had him mic'd up last night <laughs> in about the eighth or ninth inning, we could have uh, answered Allison's question too. Yeah. Yeah, last night could have been one of those games. Oh, uh, let's see. All right, I'll just go ahead and knock this one out because I, I don't think I win this one. Matt Olson really has some arms on him. Who would win an arm wrestling match between Matt Olson and Ben? That's from Ann. And if you've ever arm wrestled before, I'm not sure how experienced you are. If you have the longer elbow to wrist, you kind of have leverage go over the top. And I got some long arms, but I think he's got longer arms than I do. So I think he'd have the leverage over the top. And uh, I like his chances, to be quite honest. Maybe we should find we out. We should find out, yeah. So that answers that question. Here's one from Germany, from Philip. How excited are you guys on Hurston Waldrop being selected by the Braves? I can tell you I am, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he will develop in the next few years. Obviously, from Germany, they like that name, Hurston. Um, no, I thought it was a great choice, and I was thrilled that he dropped to the Braves in the draft. Yeah, me too. And and look, Hurston – no, Hurston. Uh, Philip, we don't know a, a ton about – I don't know about you guys. I ne- We never get to watch college games – um, so it's hard to, to speak on players when it comes to the draft. I don't know much about him because I've not laid eyes on him. I can read about him. I know that he was at Southern Miss and transferred to Florida and had a good season. That team went all the way to the, the National Championship Series before bowing out. And he's got good stuff. And I like the idea of, first off, drafting pitchers in the first round. I love top-loading my draft with pitchers. If, if you have a position player that you can't pass on, I'm all for it. But I feel like there's so much more value in uh, in drafting pitchers because they're such a valuable currency. Whether they make it to the big leagues and help your ball club or whether you trade them one day to get what you need at the big league level, I feel like pitching depth is such a currency, and I love adding more of that, and that's good to see. I got to see him pitch. I watched him on TV during the World Series, and uh, he can bring it. He's got a good arm, 96-97. He's got a great split-finger pitch that I think is his – uh, really plus plus pitch I'll call it uh, but if he's got some work to do it is in command he's he can be wild and uh, that is something that can be worked out in the Braves minor league system and I expect to see him here, here soon because he's got a very live arm mm-hmm. I mean what 21 and yeah college guy yeah those guys can move pretty quickly Did you see what uh, Skeen's got the pitcher that went number one no what they give him 9.2 million yes sir goodness you think he's in the big leagues at some point this year? I don't know, but I'm going back to college, <laughs> and I'm going to be a pitcher. That's a good idea. Uh, that's a good idea. Um, I did get to see him, by the way, and he, he can bring it. Yeah. Big dude. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, you guys have anything? Let's see. Got a bunch here. Here's one from uh, Jake from Cartersville, just up the road. Hey, guys, love the work you all do and the extra insight through the podcast. First question. Who do the guys who hit a homer point to in the outfield after a home run? That's an easy one. That's the bullpen. Bullpen guys come running out of their little cave out there, and they're cheering on the guy who hit the homer, so they acknowledge them by pointing to them. Second question. Though it is highly unlikely that if the Braves were to try to package a deal for Otani, uh, who do you think would be in the package? 
Well, given a conversation that you had uh, with Alex Anthopoulos here recently, seems like it'd be a bunch of young up-and-comers. That's that's what uh, it seems that the Angels want. They want young, controllable players, not necessarily um, major league free agents about to be right types. So um, that makes it hard to answer a question from the Braves' standpoint to know who the Angels would see as value. I would say this, though. You know, Perry Manasian is the GM over in Anaheim, and he was here, so he knows the Braves' system up and down. Yeah, good point. Whatever the package is, it's going to be big. Yeah, yeah it is. And um, I just keep thinking about Otani ending up in a Yankees uniform and, and the absolute circus and show that would be. Because, you know, they're going to be in on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure the Dodgers would like to be. I don't know – I don't know what teams can put together the package to bring him to them and furthermore sign him. I don't know. Um, but but he's such uh, an interesting player. He's likely the most talented player in the game. I think that's pretty fair to say, given they can pitch and, and hit. And wherever he ends up, it's going to be huge for the game of baseball, and I have no idea where that might be. There was a good story in uh, ESPN.com today. Uh, one of the writers there was putting together, projecting – packages for about four or five six different teams so if uh, you really want to know what teams have some have the best to offer uh, based on the criteria that we just outlined then that would be a place to go look jake's third question how many foul balls have y'all caught or have come into your booth during a game jonathan four and they all four happened last season yeah we have none this year we we've had some close calls kansas city and tampa bay Cleveland, we were close. Cleveland, we were Last year, we got them in Miami, Arizona, and two in Seattle. Yeah, that's right. We got loaded up in Seattle. That was a great booth for foul balls. Mm-hmm. But nothing yet, but we still – trying to think of where else we go that we might be able to get one. I mean, Milwaukee's possible. Anything's possible at Fenway because uh, you're right on top of the plate. So I just hope that when that happens, I've got a sure-handed color commentator next to me because uh, – or, or more, more importantly, I hope the ball is coming in with an, enough softness where I can get my hands on it or somebody because we got some heaters last year. Mm-hmm. Just, we had to get out of the way. I just don't want anything to be broken. Yeah. Like my laptop. Which almost happened last year. Like your nose. Yeah. That, that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is for Ben and or Jay Chad. I went to the series in Cincinnati. I can't recall a regular season series having that much juice in the park, particularly Friday night. Can either of you all recall a game or a series in the regular season that compares to that atmosphere that's from drew drew you're gonna have a hard time topping that because we were in a place where they have been starved for for good baseball for years uh we've been going to cincinnati for the longest time and i couldn't remember the last time we saw that many people in that ballpark for three straight days wasn't it the like i forget the exact um date but wasn't it the first time they had back-to-back sellouts in like seven or several eight years? years yeah and it was the first series all three games were sold out there in years and years if if i went back and i really spent some time thinking about it i probably could come up with with an answer for you uh but that one certainly sticks out that was a lot of fun because they were starving for good baseball ellie de la cruz the is all the rage he just came up he hit for the cycle that was incredible that guy was awesome to watch um, and then the, it was three awesome games, it was three one-run games. So the yeah. crowd was in it the whole right. time. It's amazing that five, 
the Braves won five of the six against them this year, I think. Yeah. And all six were one running all, games. All six of them. That's correct. Yep. Chase Bearden from Savannah, Georgia, wants to know, what does it mean when you say a pitcher is working out of the stretch? Well, you go from your wind-up to a more compact delivery because men are on base, and if you use your wind-up, you're going to spend more time going to the plate, and therefore that runner would have an advantage in stealing the next base. So you, you shorten everything. So rather than having a full delivery to the plate, you shorten that so you're quicker to the plate, and the guy doesn't steal a base. Picture Clayton Kershaw. Uh, working with men on base he throws his hand he put his hand in the glove and he throws both arms up and his hands above his head way up high and then he brings them down okay he gives you the impression that he's stretching and that's where the phrase came from was because pitchers would send their arms way out away from their body and then bring them down into a position where they could then deliver a pitch but that's why they call it the stretch that's it and you'll notice also when relievers come in the game, they typically always work out of the stretch, runners on base or not. Uh, let me throw one other element on this. I, I thought this was really good. This is something that Darren O'Day mentioned in a conversation we had off the air not too long ago. He was talking to somebody about their kid pitching and learning to pitch, and I thought this was really good. I've never heard anybody say this before. He said, young pitchers should learn how to pitch out of the stretch before they learn to pitch out of the windup. And the guy said, well, why is that? He said, because the most important pitches you're going to be making are coming out of the stretch. Thought, well, that's really interesting to, to think about it that way, uh, especially if you're a reliever, uh, but learning to go out of the stretch and then work on your windup. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it is. Greg Maddox used to say the same thing about uh, his side sessions working out of the stretch a lot. Hey, guys, big fan of your work and the podcast. Looking ahead at the schedule, there are two three city road trips in august how tough can those be as broadcasters and which of those two are you looking forward to more p.s i'll be at two of the games in pittsburgh hope to see some of you there that is from owen owen if you can reach us via social media uh twitter instagram whatever we've done this plenty of times before um we'll see it we'll come down and get a picture with you if that works out with our time schedule but as for your question um yeah it, it can be challenging i mean you spend anywhere uh, away from home for 10 days no matter what you're doing there are challenges that come along with it i think it's tough for anyone whether you're a player a coach a broadcaster going to three cities uh, on a single trip you fly to the first city you kind of get settled then it's time to pack up you go to the second city and you go through the same process three times and you come home um it's 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 exhausting yeah well you, you learn to pack you learn to become very efficient at packing oh, and or Try not to unpack too much. Yeah. Uh, just take out what you need when you get to that first city. But also, you kind of pray for similar game times. If all of a sudden, one night you're playing at 7, and the next night you're playing at 3, and the next the day game, and then the next city you go in and you're back to 6 o'clock or something, those can get really testy in terms of getting things done the right way in your routine, trying to get ready for the departures to the ballpark yeah, it's certainly not uncommon to have three games in a row that are seven four one mm-hmm. in consecutive days that'll throw you off uh tim sent us a good question and uh j chad <laughs> tim j chad got that um 
Mark wants to know, I don't know where Mark's from, he didn't say, when you look at a big league coaching staff, what's the most critical role outside of managing? That's a good question. Is there one more important than others? I'd say your pitching coach is, for me, that's at the top of the list. Yeah. Because uh, to me, that's the most important element of the game is your pitching. If you're not good on the mound, it doesn't matter how good you are everywhere else. you, you got some problems. I think you could make a case for pitching, hitting, or even a bench coach. They're all vital roles. That's why you have someone fill all of those roles. Um, but, yeah, it's an interesting question and something fun to think about. I'll tell you something else. Uh, if you don't have a good third base coach, right, you can be run out of a lot of innings. You can have a lot of innings where you think, man, if so-and-so had just sent that guy, yeah. we'd have tied the game you know, or taken a chance. We're so blessed to have had Ron Washington for as many years as we've had. Brian Snitker was an excellent third base coach when he was in one of his tours of duty with the Braves as a as a as a coach. But uh, boy, that's a vital one too. Yeah, it is because the accumulation of such a thing. You, you could be two, three months into the season and look back on it all. If you have a bunch of mistakes by your third base coach, that adds up. That's yeah. a bunch of games. Yeah, that you could win or lose. Um, this is a good question from Keith. While the Braves have been playing very good, I'm really starting to keep an eye on the Phillies. Are they the biggest threat in the division? I think we all feel that way. 100%. And I think we have all felt that way for a while. I remember at the beginning of the season, and you and I were talking about this the other day on the air, Joe, about our preseason predictions. And while we didn't get a whole lot right, I think we all felt like the, the Phillies are probably the biggest contender in the division given what they accomplished last year, how hot they got, and what they were able to accomplish when they were so hot. And they certainly have that ability this year. It'll be interesting to see what they do at the deadline. They have the wherewithal to go out and get uh, some more people if they need them. Uh, they already have a pretty solid rotation with Ranger Suarez, Taiwan Walker, uh, Nola, Wheeler. Those are four very stout starters right there. Yep. Uh, they may be kind of shopping in that same aisle the Braves are for bullpen help. But uh, they're a good team, and they are the first score I look to each night. Not anyone else's. I look to the Phillies. And that's become a, a transition. I feel like for the last two, three years, it's see what the Mets are doing, and then we'll see what the Phillies and the Marlins and the Nats are doing. I yeah. think those two teams have flip-flopped, uh, Phillies and Mets. Even if – look at it this way. I'm not sure who the, who the – or um, who wrote the question. Um, but I would say this, uh, too. Keith. Keith. If the Brave, who have, Braves have a 10-game lead as we talk about this right now, uh, if the Braves go on and win the division, I feel like somebody's still going to have to deal with the Phillies Yeah, in some way, in some playoff, best of five, best of seven, whatever it is, somebody's going to have to deal with the Phillies in the postseason. The Braves won the division last year, and they had to deal with the Phillies right away. Caught them at the bad time, that's yep. for sure. Yeah. Here's a question from Morgan in Madison, Mississippi. All right. Hello, JC, Ben, and Joe. I have a question for each of you. JC, Braves and Below Deck fan over here. What Below Deck franchise is your favorite, and who's your favorite cast member? Joe, how many years have you and Miss Kathy been married, and what is your favorite tradition or thing to do together? And Ben, what's your favorite thing to do or place to eat when you come back to Mississippi? Love the podcast and the games. I'll start. Um, I like Below Deck. I like Below Deck Down Under. I like Below Deck Selling Yacht. <laughs> Below Deck Mediterranean. I like them all. 
Um, it's like Real Housewives on the Open Seas. The only the, the only thing that's really ever on at my house is Bravo because of my wife. Right. So between Below Deck and Vanderpump Rules, I got you covered. Uh, favorite cast member? I mean, how can you not pick Captain Lee? Yeah. Is he the gray-haired guy? Right. Oh, he's a stud. Love that guy. Yeah. Can he play pickleball? Probably. Yeah, probably. Okay. Probably, yeah. I like the yachts. I don't like the sailboats. Yeah, I wouldn't want to sell sometimes when they're they're showing them and they really get going and plates are falling out of the yeah. china cabinet and breaking. I, I don't want anything to yeah. do with that. Just put me on the yacht. Yeah. You're a yacht guy. If there's ever a yacht guy, it's you. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's true. Uh, Kathy and I, 45 years. Um, 45? Four fiver. Okay. Four fiver. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just want to make sure it wasn't 40 something else. Yeah. 45. It's 45. Um, we always, uh, when we have that opportunity on our anniversary, it's in January uh, to go to dinner. Sometimes we go with another couple or two or sometimes we go by ourselves but uh we like dining we like going out yeah that's great uh favorite thing to do or place to eat if uh, i'm back home in mississippi if everything to do is see family and friends because there's so many people there that i only see when i'm home uh, favorite place to eat locally cock of the walk right there on the reservoir can't beat it it's about uh, half a mile tops from my parents house uh, is it right over there off Rice Road? So, cock of the walk with fried catfish, uh, cornbread, coleslaw. Hush puppies. Hush puppies, collard green. It's the best. And in Mississippi, I'll go Doe's, Eat Place, and Greenville. So, one there's one local taste and one statewide taste for you. Cock of the walk sounded like chicken place to me. They do have chicken. Okay. You can get you get one of two things. You either get the chicken or you get the catfish. All right. Okay. And I can get chicken pretty much anywhere. I can't get catfish anywhere. You can get chicken right here tonight. Yeah. I, I promise you. Some kind of chicken, as <laughs> yes. Doug says. Be some kind of What's on the menu tonight, Doug? Some kind of chicken. Okay, yeah. great. With something on it. Something on it. Yeah. You can get catfish anywhere, but you can't get real catfish really outside of Mississippi, if you ask me. And... Um, same with the coleslaw and the cornbread. Dear God. Um, so good. Ben, Joe, and Jay Chad, who in the radio booth is most likely to... Oh, you've read that one already. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, what the hell? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the answer is Joe. Um, let's see. Gentleman and JC. Wow. How about that? Wow. Gentlemen Thanks, and Tanner. JC. Wow. I am making the trip from Huntsville, Alabama to Chicago to catch the Braves game in August. I'm taking my wife and four-year-old daughter. This will be our first time in Chicago and was wondering if y'all had any recommendations on any family-friendly places to eat or explore while we are there for the weekend. Thanks for bringing us insight from the booth. That's from Tanner. The good news about Chicago is, Tanner, you can blindfold yourself and just stumble into an amazing restaurant in Chicago, that's one of my favorite places for an off day because there are so many amazing restaurants to choose from. Any of the Rosebud places are terrific. Uh, we went to um, Gibson's. Gibson's last year or two years ago. Is that last, last year? year? Last year. Yeah, that place is Been awesome. Been there many times. It's hard to beat. Um, that was where the giant yeah, the carrot cake. cake. Carrot cake, about 18 like layers. Like a cinder block of carrot cake. Yeah, it was. That was awesome. There's Chicago Cut. There's plenty of pizza places. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to do the Chicago pizza thing. Gentleman and JC. That's hilarious. See, I, I, if I were Jonathan, I wouldn't even comment. 
<laughs> I wouldn't even answer. Uh, for J. Chad, are there any sporting events he would like to produce due to it being a unique challenge or fun opportunity, and why? That's from Wren. Anything other than baseball he'd like to produce? Um, pickleball championships? Yeah, maybe some pickleball. Okay. I don't know. Uh, maybe some golf. Maybe the Super Bowl. Super Bowl would be give cool. Us, give us your golf voice if you're, you know, covering a guy out right there on, when he's about to hit out well, of the fairway. I'd be producing it so you wouldn't hear my voice. Well, I want to hear you call it. I want you to be a sideline reporter. And let's say it's Roy McElroy, and he's 150 yards out. Roy McElroy is 150 yards out. Okay. He has his, his uh, seven iron out. gap wedge. He needs to hit it to the back left side of the green here. I think it was too loud. This for birdie. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh. <laughs> he's done it. <laughs> that was awesome. Good job. Yeah, we can do some golf. The, the, the rest of the question, um, I love your podcast. And I've been listening to the Braves Radio Network for over 30 years. And I was thinking about how Brandon on the TV side has called basketball and football before. And I know Ben has done some college football. But are there any other sports or sporting events that you would like to call or have on your bucket list? For example, I could see Joe being a prickly yet snarky on-course commentator at Sawgrass or a high-level PGA course. You know where... I actually, um, for the RSM golf tournament down in um, St. Simons, uh, I did some coursework. And all I did, I was on a direct line to the director and producer in the truck. You you couldn't hear me at home. It wasn't like I was doing play-by-play. Right. So I was just telling you, I was just telling him, okay, who's away who's going to hit first so that they could focus on that guy and, and watch him hit who's away on the green who's going to putt first that's all i did but we had some guy that i could hear that was a guy like me and he thought he was on the air <laughs> and he's going jim furick's 125 yards away he's got an eight iron and i'd hear the director go bob for god's sakes i don't need that <laughs> bob who's away <laughs> and this guy just kept doing that over and over and over. I was cracking me up because <laughs> he thought he was on the air. That's great. I, you'd do a great job if, you, if you're if you on the air for golf. I think that'd be awesome. I would love to do that. I, I would know what the, I, I would have a decent idea of what they're hitting, but as soon as somebody shanked one, I'd start laughing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, you hit that hit one just like me. Yeah. <laughs> Not so good after all. Yeah. I'd love to mix in a little bit more football. I love calling football. Uh, so whether that was NFL or college, it'd be great. But it's it's hard to do that because we are doing Braves typically deep into October or even beyond. So it kind of cuts off football opportunities, which is just fine by me because the fewer opportunities there are during football season, the longer we played. And also you've just done 162 plus the 30 spring training plus the postseason you know, the year the Braves won the World Series, I think it was like 208 games yeah. or something like that. Good to catch a breather. You need a breather. That's true. I've got one here that you can answer, Jonathan. It's not to the gentleman in JC, but I think you're better suited to answer this. It's from Matthew in, in Chambly, who says, I grew up in a small town would routinely run commercials during games for local car dealerships and other businesses. Pete or Skip or someone would do the voiceover for the commercial and would even voice over the station ID as well. I know you still do this today as well. 
Is there some sort of radio media day where you guys record these in bulk? Do you do it at the ballpark or the 680 studios? And are there any memorable ones? Thanks, Matthew and Chambly. Um, a lot of the stuff that you hear, it depends where you're listening. There are local breaks and there are network breaks. If it's a local break, then say you're listening on a radio station in Alabama, you're going to hear their stuff. You're not going to hear what you would hear here in Atlanta on the flagship 680 The Fan. A lot of the voiceover work that you hear uh, that is done um, on our network is done by a gentleman. His name escapes me. He doesn't live here in the Atlanta area. I think he's in California. He does all of this voiceover work out of his house. The can, Cutler? Yeah. Uh, Jim Cutler? I think that's his name, Jim Cutler. He's all over ESPN Radio and does a lot of national stuff. Big, booming voice. And he does everything out of his house, and then he just email the MP3, and boom, it's done. Anything that we need, I guess if you want to, the closest thing we have to a media day, there are a lot of stations on our vast network that like to have Ben and Joe cut rejoins uh, for their stations that they use throughout the season. And there's typically a day or two at spring training. For example, if Joe happens to be in town for five days, I may say to him, Joe, I got 50 liners I need you to cut. What day works for you? Can you come in an hour early? And I'll print them all out, and he'll just run through them all, and then I will send them off to those stations. Well, explain to people what a rejoin is. So if you're listening on your radio um, to a station in Tennessee, you may say, uh, this is Joe Simpson, and you're listening to Atlanta Braves baseball on WLBJ, Nashville, Tennessee, or something to that right. effect. Right, okay. Yeah. That's how those work. This is from Bryce. He's got some good questions here. Uh, let's start with this one. There has been little said recently about Bobby Cox. How is he doing? Is there any communication from him to the current coaching staff? And I know that Snit goes to see him pretty regularly. Yep. And um, you know we, we know that he's in good spirits, and um, that, that's as, that's as, about as much as we get, and he's just taking it easy, and that's about all the information we get about that. Yeah, it's pretty limited. It's not uh, – I wouldn't call it – you know, secretive or anything like that, just respecting his privacy, his and Pam's privacy. But uh, I try to uh, glean anything I can from Brian Snitker and say, you know, have you been to see Bobby lately? You know, what kind of spirits is he in? Uh, is he watching the games, which he typically is, or listening? Um, that's And that's not every homestand, but close to it. Yeah. We can ask him here in the next few days, see how he's doing. Yeah. Um, then another part of this question from Bryce says, during episodes you'll talk about Freed playing catch or throwing live bullpens, others doing live rehab work on the field at Truist. What does in-season practice look like on a regular basis? Is it different on the road compared to Truist? Pretty interesting question. It is, and the answer to that is pretty different because you have the liberty of working out on your own field on your own time when you're home. And when you're on the road, you're at the mercy of – the visiting team's ground crew making the field available to you so that you can come out early and get some work in before the home team starts their workouts. So while we're here up in the booth early, like we are today, if there were a bunch of Braves and they were, there are some pitchers out doing some running and some sprint work out in right field, well, 
there might be some guys from the Diamondbacks come out and start doing some stretching and running around too at the same time. They're not in each other's way. Yeah. So it's kind of whatever you can do. Yeah. Um, out there. So some really good questions there from Bryce. Oh, uh, let's see. Here's one from Jeff. This one's for me. He said, I love the podcast, guys. This question is for Jay Chad. If you lost all the equipment in the radio booth, like in the case of the Fred McGriff fire, what would be your contingency plan? And Joe, did the radio broadcast get on that night? Um, are we at home or are we on the road? If we're at home, my contingency plan is going across to the flagship radio station and getting uh, temporary equipment and getting us on the air and doing the game wouldn't be that big of a deal to be honest uh, if we're on the road and something happens i'm in some trouble but i can promise you i'm going to figure it out i know you will and and i would say too that you guys the brotherhood of producers and engineers you really in an emergency like that you guys all pull together to make sure that one another gets on the air you've saved it multiple guys i have the something that comes to mind within the last few years the Chicago Cubs came to Atlanta, and they are one of the very few teams that don't travel. Someone like myself, they hire a contractor in each city. Well, while they do that, they still send their equipment. They want to use their stuff, not the contractor stuff. Their equipment was taken down to the clubhouse in Wrigley Field. No one was there to see it get put on the truck. They got to Atlanta the first day, and when they got here, they had no radio equipment. Mm. And it was pure panic. They had to yell really loud for the people in Chicago yes, to hear yes. us. It was pure panic, and, and I get it. So uh, I was able, thankfully, I had everything they would need to get on the air that day, and I was able to save their backside. They were very nice and offered to compensate me, to which I refused, because I felt like if I'm ever in that position, right. I need someone to help me right. in an emergency. The Marlins have been in town before, and they've had issues, and I was able to help those guys out. So... Yeah, I think, like you said, it's a good brotherhood and everyone looks out for each other. Yeah, definitely. You'd just rather be on the end where you're helping somebody else rather than asking for the help. One thousand (laughs) percent. Here's one from Quincy Reese, and Quincy just says, thank you, that's all. Thanks uh, for being there and doing this podcast and broadcasting Braves baseball. Quincy, we appreciate you being out there and listening to us via the podcast and the games every night on the Braves Radio Network. Uh, Question... What do you guys think of Ronald and Matt's decision not to participate in the Home Run Derby? Love the podcast. That's from Rachel. And Rachel, some guys, just, they just don't want the, the extra work. And it, it's not easy to just enter the Home Run Derby. That's a lot of work to go out there and round after round, go hit a bunch of balls out of the ballpark. And I think for those guys, they'd rather just have the days off, enjoy the, the relaxation, and, and take in the All-Star game. It's great for the guys that do it, but for the guys that choose not to do it, that's fine too. I mean, there's a, there's always a chance you could go out there and swing from your shoes and hurt yourself, and your most important responsibility is to your team. And, um, you know, like Ben said, probably wanted a breather. Remember Bob Abreu? Yeah. Bob Abreu won the home run hitting contest one year, and he had a horrible second half, and he blamed the home run derby for it, saying it changed everything I did about my swing and vowed never to do it again, and I don't think he did. I read somewhere yesterday that there was some somebody was floating the idea of a veteran home run derby. Some of these you know, retired players really? getting out there, and I thought, 
okay, but just five swings, man. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't want anybody spinning around and thinking, boy, he spun himself in the ground right there. No, he's dead. Yeah, this is brought to you by Icy Hot and Advil. Yes, no <laughs> kidding. Uh, anyway, yeah, it'd be interesting for a few swings anyway. Yeah, it would. Uh, you guys see any more you want to throw out there before we wrap this thing up? I know we have a bunch here. So. I got one here from Andrew in Madison, Mississippi. Yeah, we're huge back home. And he says, uh, and he says, go Braves and hotty toddy. That's right. There you go. He said, I was wondering your opinions of the development of young players right out of high school versus playing three years of college ball. The development and investment in a lot of college programs has advanced recently, and it sounds like it will continue to get better with pitching labs, et cetera. And, you know, it, it's kind of, Andrew, it depends on a team's philosophy and needs. There were a ton of good college players available in the first round this year, and that's not always the case. But these guys were, um, you know, close to being ready to go play in double-A and then triple-A pretty fast, especially some of the pitchers and Dylan Cruz, who the Nationals drafted. Those guys are outstanding players in their own right. So I think it varies from year to year uh, on the draft and where the best players are. I know that um, teams will typically uh, take more time with a high school player to develop because they're younger. But you're right. He's right about the college facilities. My goodness. Unbelievable. Unbelievable is right. They've come a long way. And it's great to see that kind of money being invested into college baseball. And furthermore, we've seen minor league facilities really come a long way as well. And, uh, of course, you're going to see lots of money pumped into big league facilities and baseball at this level. But I love seeing funds and and money pumped into baseball at other levels to to make our game more popular and better suited for the next generation. I don't know how you do it. Um, And I'm not sure baseball, Major League Baseball, would entertain this because – uh, I'm offering to spend their money, but I wish that somehow MLB would supplement college programs for wood bats mm-hmm. and um, get guys swinging wood bats again. What you got, JC? Here's a question from Chris. What are you guys going to do on the off day in Boston, and where are you guys going to eat dinner? Well, you got your folks coming. I do. My parents are flying up to Boston Sunday, we'll get there that evening. We're going to spend the off day together on Monday, which I'm really excited about. Uh, we have two dinner reservations in the North End. Nice. They're going to look at the menu and decide which one they want to go to, and we'll cancel the other one. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like you'd kind of be doing it wrong if you went to Boston and had an off night and didn't go to dinner in the Gotta North End. Got to do it there. Got to. That's uh, Monday night, and I'll be at Crab Daddy's in St. Simons. That'll be great. Because I'm not on the trip. <laughs> Send us a picture of your food, please. What are you okay. going to do? I don't know. I haven't decided that yet. I'm going to be a lone wolf. Here's why. You're with your folks. Nick Green's on the trip, so he'll be eating Uncrustables in the hotel room to save a buck. Come to dinner with us. Uh, I might. We'll see. Does Nick travel his own ketchup for yes. steak? Yeah. He, he has a fanny pack with condiments inside. By the way, have you seen Nick enter our booth every day and what he does as soon as he comes in? Well, I can't see him because of the board. So every day, today when he comes high-telling through the door, everybody's got to come in here and congregate. On top of our microwave, in the back of the booth, we have condiments. We have mustard. We have ketchup. We have Mm -hmm. salt. We have pepper. There are also three bottles of honey that came from Peter Moylan's. Um, Nick will walk in. He does it every day. He'll walk in. 
He'll grab a bottle of honey. He'll open the lid. He'll tilt his head back, and he takes honey right down the chute. <laughs> Doesn't put it in coffee. Just straight honey, straight down the throat. And I asked him. I finally asked him yesterday because I've been noticing it. I'm like, what are you doing? Local honey. Why do you keep doing this? And he said it just helps my voice. Okay, well, I haven't heard that one yet. I've I've heard that eating local honey helps with allergies because of the the yeah the bees that yeah. you're around locally. Yeah. I don't know that. Uh, I think I'm going to hide the honey this afternoon. You might. I mean, he's taking straight pulls of honey back there. I don't know. I'm just glad Jay Chad explained that we have condiments back yeah. there. <laughs> well, we had to hide Joe's Oreos. Uh, and now I'm going to have to hide the honey. Yeah, you are. <laughs> uh, we better wrap this up. Yeah. Um, I'll answer this one more from Ernie who asked about uh, keeping your voice in good shape. Ernie, I guess you just take a shot of honey every single yeah, there day. There you go. Like Nick Green. He's like, yeah. no singers take care of their voice by warming up, making sure they're well hydrated, etc. Ben, do you have any things you do or avoid to keep your voice in good shape? You know what? Doing games every night keeps your voice in good shape. At the beginning of spring training, you might uh, – right. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of an insight. When I start spring training, I, will, I won't do voice drills or anything like that, but if I'm in my car – I'll sing out loud to whatever song's playing, and I feel like kind of gets me back in the flow of projecting. I got to see this. Yeah, you should. It might happen two or three times. Where That's Was it, it in spring training or somewhere in the regular season? Yeah, it was this year, and I forget if it was spring training or regular season where you were really struggling for about a day and a half with your voice. That was here. I had some, some drainage issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I have never, knock on wood, I've never had issues with my voice. I mean, in 20-something years, I've never gone horse. I've never lost my voice, nothing. Um, but I had some drainage going on, and I think it's that funk that Nick Green gave you and me. He got us both sick after yeah. we came back from a road and trip. we came back from New York. It, it rained for three days there. We're around him. It was cold. We had the funk, and, and that was in my voice. And I couldn't – I'd never experienced that before where I'd open my mouth, and it just wasn't there. It, and it that'll, was 24 hours of that. That'll teach you to drink after him out of the honey jar. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, everybody line up in the back of the booth for some honey shots. Yeah. That's, that's what we're doing. Well, that maybe that's the new rally cry. It's been the Oreos. It's been the RC Cola. Maybe we all take a shot of honey every day. I'd rather lose. <laughs> I don't want to take a shot of honey every single day. Uh, we'll find something else though. It's just about rally season, isn't it? I mean, it's typically July, August when we cling to whatever our rally cry is. That's when mm-hmm. RC Colas came about last year. Mm-hmm. I want all of our. Uh, listeners to tweet us photos of them taking shots of honey well <laughs> I, I, if we're going to do that i'm going to say right now that certainly the double stuff oreos carried us right to a title yeah it did and the rc cola got us going out in oakland got a division There's no title. doubt about it so we're talking a lot of little little sugar pops you know really yeah. jumps i'm thinking maybe clam chowder now okay <laughs> Rally chowder. Rally chowder. We're going to, to Boston Go next to Boston. week. Boston. You guys check it out. <laughs> we'll try anything. That's for sure to get a win. That'll wrap things up for this episode of From the Braves Booth. This was episode number 44. Four. 44. And we hope that you'll be with us next time. More importantly, we hope that you tune in tonight. Second game of this series, Braves and the Diamondbacks. 
uh, if you're listening to this right now or if you're listening to it several weeks down the road from our current date here on the 19th of July. It's great to have you with us, and we'll, know we'll catch you with it at some point very, very soon. For Joe, for Jay Chad, I'm Ben. This has been From the Braves Booth.